0: Hello, everybody. It's great to be here, and I'm glad you are here tonight. I I really, really believe um, that if you are present, um, God already is present, and if you combine the two together, you know, things will happen, and there will be a change that happens that will make tonight different than any other night that you have experienced. So I want to encourage you guys to be present here and have your thoughts here, um, because God is here, and God is speaking And so so with that, I want to say hello um, to everyone on all of the other campuses, that includes Zoe's, um, Christ Community West, uh, Traditions, and everyone else who's on the internet um, who's paying attention. So thank you for being here, and all of you guys, it's awesome. So summer's here, Um, super excited, summer, um, summer is uh, kind of parallels the truth that Yelich's is also open, and so I'm really excited for Yelich's to be open. I've already gone twice, Um, I have, and and, and both times I've taken my son who's seven, um, and he's 47 inches tall, 47 inches tall, but that isn't significant at all because that means he's almost tall enough to go on all the rides. He's almost tall enough. He's not tall enough yet because you have to be 48 inches to go on the rides, which really stinks. So, So as a Good parent, as a good father, I bought him a hat, and uh, we we put the hat on him, and and he kept pulling it down. I said, "Don't pull it down. We want to to stick up a little bit." And then I I gave him the. Prep, you know, like okay, if they if they measure you, you need to stand up on your toes, don't go on your heels and that sort of thing, and make sure your hat's up and and, uh, and stuff like that. And so um, there's this ride, it's this old roller coaster which I've been super excited to take him on because kind of as a kid I would go on those kinds of rides, and and I just the idea of taking my son on this old roller coaster just brings tears to my eyes. Well, everything brings tears to my eyes, but this in particular it was a really, really special moment. And the, the whole time we're going in the line, he's like, dad, I'm scared. I'm like, don't be, you know, this is gonna be fun. You're gonna love it. But in my head, I'm like, I don't think he's gonna love it, you know. And, and, but I'm encouraging him, you know. And, and so finally, we get up there, and the person has the thing, and he toes, and he's good, you know? And we pass on, and and then we're here, you know, and there's a couple people ahead of us. He's like, Dad, I'm so scared. I don't want to go on this, and I pretend to not hear him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, too bad, you know, we're going for it, you know? And so then it becomes his turn, and he sits down, and the bar comes down, and he's holding on to it, and it, 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 and it was at that moment, I'm like, I'm a really bad dad. And it was just like, it's like, what am I doing? And then it just started to go, you know, he, and he closed his eyes, and, and then we start going up this hill, you know, it's like, you know, and it's going up, you know, and, and he starts to get a little teary-eyed, and he's like, Dad, I really don't want to do this, and I just said, I'm so sorry and th- th- because you're stuck, you know, and it was one of those, like, I did it again, I pushed him too far, you know, and he's only 47 inches, and, and, and so, so we're about to go, and it's like, oh God, help us, you know. And he, and then we start to go down, and it's it's just roaring down. And I look over at him, and he's holding on, and and there's a, the little tears come back, and his eyes are closed, and he screams, I can't handle this, you know. And he's I can't handle this. Like it was really funny. Like you know, I can't handle this. It was a full sentence that was coming out of him, and he kept saying it throughout the run. You know, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. And and and. To me, I mean, like, it is so often that whenever we feel out of control or when the situation is bigger than us, our, our, our instant response is, I can't handle this, and we cling on to the thing and close our eyes and hope it'll be over soon without too much pain, you know? The, I can't handle this moment, like, um, a couple m- months ago, you know, he came home from school, and he was talking about God and how awesome God is, and I'm like, man, I have the best son in the world, you know, and he's like, I prayed for this girl on her cut finger, and like, you're adorable, and then my daughter comes in, who's four years old, and she hears him talking like this, and she gets this smile on her face, and she says, I don't know if I believe in God. And, and I thought, you know, I'm like, how can you not believe in God? You know, four-year-olds believe in anything. You believe in Santa Claus. How can you not believe in God? And in my own head, I mean, like, you know, she's four, so it's like, you know, who cares? But in the same respect, it's like, you know, what do I do with that? Like, you know, what do I do? And I started freaking out because how do I respond to the doubts of my daughter you know if if my daughter doesn't believe in god i'm doing a really bad job and, and so i started freaking out and and it just brought up this question of like how do i respond to people's doubts and furthermore how do i respond to my own doubts you know because if you're human you have doubts so we are in a sermon series called Believe, And the subtitle is Experiencing the Power of Faith, right? Really, it's, it's super cool. You know, believe, experiencing the power of faith. And we're spending some, some g- good time talking about doubts. Pastor around this past week, he talked about doubts and these, these four anchors that we're able to hold on to. Um, tonight, I'm going to be talking about um, how doubts are the open door to believe. Believing and how belief is the springboard of faith. Okay, um, so how doubts are an open door to belief and how belief is a springboard to faith. Because doubts are, are really, 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 really important. Okay, I see them as really, really, really important. And, and there are some of you here who do not have a doubt problem at all. Like, here are the people who say, God said it, it's in the Bible, I believe it. And for you, I say, praise the Lord, you know. But for the other people who are only human, um, This sermon is for us, okay? It's for us who have doubts, because doubts are very, very real, and they're very, very scary. Doubts are scary because some of us kind of have this concept that if we have doubts, we don't actually believe right? And if we have doubts, we're not a part of the club. Or if we have doubts, we're not going to be able to serve. Or if we have doubts, we're not really a Christian. Or if we have a doubts, we're not saved. If we have doubts, it's just this spiral down to you know where, right? And so, so doubts are, are very, very real and very, very scary. Why are doubts so scary? Why are doubts scary? Because a bunch of us thinks that the, doubt, that the doubt is the end of our belief. But tonight I want to talk about a doubt can be the beginning of a rock-solid faith, right? A doubt can be the beginning of a rock-solid faith, right? A bunch of us has this, have this concept that, that, that if we doubt, we don't really believe. Well, I have this idea that if you don't doubt and you don't doubt really well, you cannot really believe right? It's the doubts and the courage to face them in the eye and say, what do you have for me? It's that that makes this thing work, right? And, And to me, it's why are things like such as doubt scary or hearing people, you know, express a doubt, why is that scary? It's scary because of what I call the Tinkerbell complex, right? And I invented the Tinkerbell complex. Um, the Tinkerbell complex is simply the Tinkerbell complex. In Peter Pan, you have Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. And whenever someone in Peter Pan says, I don't believe in fairies, what happens? A fairy dies somewhere, right? A fairy dies somewhere. And there's two people that freak out when someone says, I don't believe in fairies. The first person who freaks out is Peter Pan. The second person who freaks out is Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell falls over dead, and Peter Pan's like, what did you do? You just killed Tinkerbell! And then he explains, every time someone says, I don't believe in fairies, a fairy dies. And then it's his job to convince you that you do believe in fairies, and to clap as loud as you can, and proclaim, I do believe in fairies, I do believe in fairies, and then Tinkerbell comes back to life and praise the Lord, right? There's a bunch of us, right? And if we're very honest, deep down, whenever we hear someone say, I have a doubt or I don't believe in God, our hearts respond the same way as Peter Pan. We are afraid that a tiny piece of God somewhere has fallen over dead, or God himself has fallen over dead, until we convince them that God really is real, and you need to proclaim that he is, and clap on beat to every song, and proclaim that God is, and then when that happens, and you are saved, God will come back to life, he'll be resurrected, and all will be well. You know what I'm saying? and Because there's this feeling that whenever someone says, I don't believe in God, that there's this pit in our heart that says, wow, that's really scary. They don't believe in God. Do I believe in God? I don't know how to convince them. Can I convince myself? What do we do? Right? And there's all this pressure on us. And why does the Tinkerbell complex scare us so much? right? And where does the Tinkerbell complex come from? I believe that the Tinkerbell complex comes from this idea that we can only prove the things that we're able to see, touch, smell, and feel, right? And I am a person, and so are you, and we love things that we can see, touch, smell, and feel, and prove, right? And and the problem is, is in the church, the church is a spiritual thing, right? And the church is a spiritual thing. It's not always a physical thing, but it's also a physical thing and a spiritual thing. But a bunch about the Christian faith is spiritual, right? And so Jesus talks about, in John chapter 8, verse 12 through 16, he talks about this spiritualness, the power of f- faith, and how it accommodates our believing. So I wanted to talk about that. So open your Bibles to John chapter 8, uh, verse 12 through 16, and he is talking to a group of Pharisees, right, who are asking the question, who are you? Like, who are you? Right? A A bunch of us are constantly asking, who are you? What do you do? Right, The Pharisees are brilliant people. The Pharisees are brilliant people. They've studied. They can prove things. They can touch things. They, they can point back to everything. They have all the answers. And they ask this question, who are you? And Jesus responds by saying this. Jesus once again addressed them. I am the world's light, and no one who follows me stumbles around in darkness. I provide plenty of light to heaven. How many of us, whenever we have doubts, it feels like darkness. And Jesus says, I am everybody's light. The ph- Pharisees then, then said, all we have is your... Third on this. We need more than this to go on. Pretty much saying, All we know about who you are is the things that you are saying. We need more than this, a lot more than this. And Jesus replied, You are that you only have my words and the things that I say, but you can depend on it being true. I know where I've come from and the direction that I am going. You do not know where I am from or where I am headed. You decide according to the things that you can see and touch. I do not make judgments just like that. But even if I did, my judgment would be true. Because, it, because I wouldn't make it out of the narrowness of my own experiences. But in the largeness of the one who sent me. The, f- the Pharisees are saying, how do we know you are who you, who, who you say you are? Because the only, the only way that we know that is from the things that we're saying, that you're saying. How can we trust you? And Jesus is saying, you can trust me because I know who I am and I know the direction I am going. You cannot know that because you only rely on the things that you see and the things that you touch right? I am someone who relies heavily on the things that I see and on the things that I touch. I am an academic person. I love proving things. I love knowing things, and I love touching and seeing things, right? But whenever I don't and whenever I can't, doubt festers. Like, come on, Really? And this is a situation that Jesus is speaking into right now. You have a bunch of Pharisees who are saying, how do we know what you're saying is true? And he says, because I have faith in the one who sent me, the largeness of God, right? It is not on the things that I see, taste, or feel. I am not like you. The Pharisees are a ton kind of like Thomas, you know, Doubting Thomas, all of us have heard, don't be a doubting Thomas, because the word doubt has so much heavy connotation. He's the one that, that after Jesus came back, the disciples saw him and they talked to him and they go out to Thomas because he wasn't there and they say, Thomas, Thomas, you missed it. Jesus was here, he's resurrected from the dead, it's awesome, and he goes, guys, really? You know, I appreciate your belief, but Really? And then he responds by saying, I will not believe it until I put my fingers in his side, right? And to be honest, if I was there, I would have been Thomas, right? Like, I appreciate your belief. I think you're awesome, right? But I will not believe it until I touch it, until I smell him, until I see him myself. I cannot believe it, right? It's like that's what Thomas needed. He needed to touch Jesus. He needed to put his fingers inside of his wounds for it to become real. A bunch of us in the church today, we see Thomas and go, oh, he's the one who doubted. He was filled with doubt. I don't have respect for Thomas. But in the early church, the early church actually saw Thomas as a hero right? They saw Thomas as a hero for asking the question. They saw him as being courageous for asking the question that they believed everyone was asking, but did not have the guts to ask, right? So they saw Thomas as being courageous for asking a question. Questions are good things, and courage is a good thing, I always, like, especially growing up, I always wanted to be the courageous guy, you know, because I talk about the armor of God and being people of courage. And, you know, and, 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 and I always saw, you know, like King David being the guy of courage, right? I did not see Thomas as being the guy of courage. He was the guy who doubted. And I would look up to David and say, man, I want to be like David in the book of Psalms who, who you know, he fights for God and he defends God. And, and in the book of Psalms, and." David, and he defends God, and he sings over God, and, and he's paving paths for God, and he's building a kingdom for God. But then, the older I got, I understand that's not what the book of Psalms is about, and that's not what King David did at all. It was God who fought for David. It was God who defended David. It was God who sang songs over David. It was God who built a kingdom for David. And so that brings me to this question of like, when did God get so small? When did God get so small that we have to fight for him? When did God get so small that I have to defend him? Because he doesn't want me defending him. When did God get so small And I realize that the truth is, is when the bigness of God depends on the size of belief that I have, God will always be too small. Whenever my belief and the things that I'm capable of believing depicts the things that God can and cannot do, God will always be too small, and he will always have to be defended. But the reality is, is that a small God is easy to doubt. A small God is easy to doubt. And when God is, is, is kept in a box by the things that I am capable of believing, he will always be insufficient and doubt worthy. Thankfully, God is not held captive by our beliefs. God is n- not Tinkerbell right? God doesn't have to have us believe in him. He doesn't need you to believe in him to be amazingly big. God is not determined by your beliefs, right? God will not fall over dead. God will not stop doing what he does. God doesn't need your belief. You do, but he doesn't. belief is a personal experience, something that you have gained, something that you have acquired over time to give you a structure or a format to understand things by, right? A bunch of us have built a Christian belief. Here's the things that I believe by the things that I've been taught and the things that I know and the people that I've encountered and the different prayer experiences that I have. It is formulated a belief, right? And this is a beautiful thing. It is formated, but, but formulated by our experiences, but God is not bound by our experiences. Going back to the passage in John chapter 8, Jesus says this, you decide according to the things that you can see and touch. I do not make judgments. <laughs> But even if I did, my judgment would be true because I would not make it out of the narrowness of my own experience. Jesus himself saying, I would not judge that by the narrowness of my own experience. Right? People are saying, belief is amazing and belief is good, but belief apart from faith, belief apart from what makes it come alive, belief just on your own experience, it's pretty lame. Right? Your beliefs are important, but that is not all. Because Jesus points then to say, but it comes from the largeness of the one who sent me. Right? He's pointing towards faith. He's drawing this correlation that belief and faith are dance partners, right? And so if you just have belief, there's just one person on the dance floor doing the chicken dance. And that's just weird, right? But unfortunately, that's what the church does a lot. The church has a lot of great beliefs, right? There's this pastor in Michigan who talks about this context of of belief apart from faith and he says like, you know, beliefs apart from faith are like a brick, right? They're bricks and and, a a bunch of Christians are in the business of building brick walls, right? I believe this, Click, believe this, click, 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 believes doctrines, creeds, and we're putting them all together and we're building this brick wall. And at the end, we have this beautiful brick wall of all our beliefs. Well, what do you do with a brick wall? You can do two things. You can hide behind it and you can defend it, right? That's about it. You can hide behind it and you can defend it. We have a bunch of beliefs, and we built this beautiful brick wall that we can either hide behind or defend. Furthermore, when someone comes up and starts poking at our bricks, starts throwing doubts out, saying, I don't know if I really believe in this, what do we do? We fight back hard because this is all we got, right? Right? Which brings us to the question of is there more than to the Christian faith than defending and hiding? Because a lot of people out there are asking that question: Is there more to the Christian faith than defending and hiding? Because I don't want to hide and I don't want to defend anything either. Right? And I don't want the kids I have to hide. And I don't want them. My kids to defend either, I want them to be able to put their chest down and say i 'm experiencing life, so is there more to the Christian faith than defending and hiding? Yes, because it 's called the christian faith right it 's not called the christian belief right there 's a difference between belief and faith, a big difference right and so so here we go um, <laughs> okay so i I really believe that b- Beliefs are important and beliefs are the springboard to faith. And faith is all about life, right? Faith is all about life. It's not defending and it's not about hiding. I heard this quote the other day about a definition of faith and it has freedom written all over it. This person says, faith is something you know to be true whether you believe it or not. Faith is something you know to be true, whether you believe it or not. And if you are like me at all, there comes a point that you can only believe so far, right? You can only go so far in your brain, praise the Lord. But then faith compensates. Faith compensates for your brain, right? Because if you think, and if you don't check your brain at the door, there comes a point that you go, really? How can we believe this? And faith says, you don't have to. This is where I come in. This is where God compensates. The, the cool thing about faith is it's God-given. Belief is something that I can build. It's something I can go out and achieve and grab, and I, I study a lot, and I can, I can build my belief but it can only go so far. Faith is God-given. It's God saying, I will come down and I'll bring you peace and I'll give you understanding and I'll do what I do and I will hold your brain in my hands and say, live. Right? There comes a place that the belief comes to an end and faith compensates. It's where you step out and say, I just gotta believe in something bigger than me. And it's a beautiful thing. And Jesus does this very thing, going back to John uh, John 8, verse 12 through 16. He says, you decide according to what you can see and touch. I don't make judgments like that. But even if I did, my judgments would be true. Because I would not make it out of the narrowness of my experience, or my experience, but in the largeness of the one who sent me. He says, I will make my judgments in the largeness of the one who sent me. And that has faith written all over it. I do not judge things because of the things that I can see and the things that I can touch. I will not judge things according to the narrowness of my own experience. But I will judge things in the largeness of the one who sent me. Faith is written all over that. See, the thing that's cool is, guys, we don't want to be people of great belief, right? We don't want to be people of great belief. We want to be people of great faith. We really don't want to be a church who believes a lot of great things. We want to be a church of great faith because faith is inspiring. That goes beyond belief. Faith is the thing that causes something that's unbelievable, to be unbelievable. Same word, but when it encounters faith, it causes it to come alive. Right? So sometimes, oftentimes, the church is just unbelievable. I mean, guys, you're unbelievable. But I want to be a part of a church of that's unbelievable. And whenever Pastor Allen tosses out some crazy thing, we want to say, yes, that's unbelievable. But whenever we toss out things that's Believable, like, I don't want any of that. I want something that's unbelievable. Challenge us. Give us something that faith has to compensate for. If it's too believable, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in a tiny God, right? I don't want a God I have to fight for. I don't want a God I have to defend. I don't want a God that I have to sing over. I want God singing over me. I want God fighting for me. I want God paving a path for me. And I want God paving a path for you and our church. Oh, Because a f- faith like this is very different than a brick wall, right? A faith like this and a cr- relationship like this and a, f- it, 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 and a church like this is, instead of a brick wall, it's more like a trampoline, right? A trampoline with springs and a big old thing you jump on. I don't know what those are called, but you jump on them. And the sp- springs are like our belief, right? And our belief is tied to our faith, right? And what do you do with a jump tambourine a uh, Tambourine, you bang that thing, right? A a, a trampoline, what do you do with a trampoline? You jump on it, right? A trampoline was made for jumping on. And when you jump on it, right? When you jump on it, the springs expand and the springs contract. And you jump on it, and the harder you jump, the more the trampoline does what it is supposed to do. Our doubts are our jumping, Our daily life is our jumping. Our conversations are our jumping. The Christian life is supposed to be enjoyed. And I want our kids to enjoy our church. I want our kids to enjoy Jesus. I want our kids to enjoy conversation and study. I don't want our kids hiding and defending. I want our kids jumping, right? And what is it that you do with a trampoline? You invite people to jump, right? You invite jump people to jump, and you don't invite them to, to come hide behind our wall or come defend our wall. It's come and jump. Our trampoline was made for jumping, and the more and harder you jump, the more the strings expand and the higher up you go, right? God can handle your doubts, God is not afraid of your doubts. God is not afraid of your doubts. God can handle your doubts. God loves your doubts. Back to Thomas. So Thomas, he says, I will not believe it until I can put my fingers inside of his wounds. Right? One week after that, they're all together, and and. Jesus, as he often does, he pops up in the room, right? And it actually says, he says this, all the disciples were together, the doors were locked. And then it said, Jesus appeared. Pretty spooky, right? And so it says Jesus appeared even though the doors were locked. I mean, he didn't open the door and come in. He just popped up. And the first thing he says, as if he were in the conversation with Thomas and the other disciples, he says, Thomas... Come here and put your fingers in my side. Right? He gives Thomas the thing that he asked for. He gives Thomas the things that he needs. And for Thomas, he just simply said, I, I can't believe it until I, take, I, I touch it. I just can't believe it. What does this story have to do with us? It has everything to do with the question. What do we do? do with our own doubts, and how to respond to the doubts of others. Thomas, the thing that was so cool about Thomas is he had the courage to say, I don't believe it yet, right? I don't believe it yet. Here's what I need. I need need proof. There's a bunch of us who don't have the courage to say, I don't know if I believe it yet. And so in our country, we kind of have this epidemic of People who kind of believe something, okay? Because we're too afraid of attacking our doubts. We're too afraid to say, I don't know if I believe. So we kind of believe, right? We kind of believe things. We kind of believe because our parents believe. Or we kind of believe because our friends believe. We kind of believe because we go to church and our church believes. But we ourselves, we just kind of believe because I have doubts and I'm not comfortable in saying I have doubts. But doubts... Doubts are the catalyst to your faith or the graveyard to your belief. It's all what you do with them. Doubts are the catalyst to your faith or the graveyard to belief. Because someone who kind of believes something is actually dead, right? We don't actually believe it. And we don't have the courage to say, I don't know if I believe it. But a doubt or a question of someone like Thomas who says, I don't believe it, or I have a question about this, or I don't know, or I don't fully understand this, or help me understand, or I need to put my fingers in, do you know what I'm saying? That was courageous because then God could respond. So for those of you who have doubts, praise the Lord. You know? Praise the Lord. Good for you. But this could could either be a graveyard for you or the beginning of a rock solid faith right this is your chance to to quit kind of believing into i really believe right because then thomas had the opportunity for god to respond so how does god respond to our doubts? How do, does a church respond to the doubts of of people? How do you respond to a doubt if presented to you? Well, how did Christ respond to Thomas? Right? He simply said, put your fingers in my wounds. Right? Put your fingers in my wounds. Notice the thing he did not say. He did not say, you're out of the club, Thomas. (laughs) He did not say, Oh, I spent three years on you and you were a disciple. I failed. What did I do wrong? Or Thomas, you can't serve until you and I figure this thing out. Right? He said, Thomas, put your fingers in my wounds. What would it be like? What would it be like when people came to us and said, I don't know if I believe in God. You said, put, my, put your fingers in my wounds. What would that look like? And I understand it's kind of poetic. But what would that be like if, 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 if we did not do the things that was expected of us, right? Do you notice that Jesus did not say, Thomas, sit down. I'll go over all the Old Testament prophecies again. They line up perfectly and all point to me, right? He does not say, okay, let's go over the gospel again. It's obvious that I opened your eyes to them. No, he says, put your fingers in my wounds. Touch me. See that I bleed. Get my blood on your fingers. Thomas, touch me. I'm human, right? I'm 100% human. I'm 100% God. I'm standing right in front of you. I have resurrected. Touch my wounds. What would it be like? So, a couple years ago um, there's this crazy thing that panned out that i haven 't told this story before because it's kind of awkward um, but but it's pretty cool so so i 'm talking to this group of people, and there's this girl in the gr- group of people um, who 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 says you know i, I don 't believe in god and she's like super smart right? she's brilliant and she's like you know i don 't believe in God and in fact the church and religion, you know. It's just a bunch of people, you know, who have to have a crutch. And at that point, I cracked a joke because kind of every time I f- feel awkward, I crack j- jokes and I said, yeah, it is a crutch and I need a b- bunch of them to help me, you know, Christianity, you know. And she's like, yeah, it's not really funny. And so, and then she, she's like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in church. And, and the church is a bunch of people who are afraid and they don't even understand what they believe. And they're, they're not a, They're not courageous enough to ask questions about the things that they don't believe and they won't talk to other people. And she was just going on and on and on, just hammering the church. The sad thing was, I was standing there like, yeah, I'm kind of afraid. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, oh my gosh. And then I said to her, you know, I'm not afraid to tell you about the things that I'm not sure I believe." And I was like, oh, no, I just dug a hole. Because then the whole group turned and faced on me. Like, okay. And she goes, okay, tell me something you don't believe. And then I said, I don't have time. And I really don't have time to tell you all the things that I'm not sure if I believe or not because I'm a chaotic mess inside of my brain. And do you know what I mean? Like, if I said, tell me the things you're not sure you believe, you're like, okay, well, yeah, right. It's like, well, ugh. And so, so anyway, somehow it got, to this point that she said, okay, how about you and I get together on Tuesday, and then you're able to tell me about the things you don't believe. I was like, oh no, you know, what did I do? This was just a friendly conversation, and I'm in this situation, this is bad. I felt like I was on that roller coaster, like, I can't handle this, you know, running down. And so I found myself on Tuesday, sitting across the table from this girl drinking coffee, and she says, Okay, tell me the first thing you don't believe. And I said, I don't know if i say saying I don't believe it. I am like, I kind of believe it, right? It's the whole thing, like, you know, there's this, and I, I'm kind of torn about this, but then there's this, and then there's this. And I found myself telling these stories about the things that I love and the people, and, you know, I kind of believe this, and I believe this, and God's faith, and blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and then every time like I said, I don't know if I believe this, she goes, but didn't you say before that God does this? And she was like affirming my faith. I'm like, yes, exactly. And, and we started having these great conversations and it came to an end and she'll say, and then she said, I'll see you on Tuesday. I was like, oh, okay. And so we came together again on the following Tuesday and the same thing happened. I said, well, here's something else I struggle with, you know. Here's what I struggle with. And then it turned into what I believe. And then it turned into how Faith compensates, right? Because, because doubt is the open door to belief, and belief is the springboard to faith, right? And so the conversation started going like that. And so the following Tuesday, we got together again. And I'm like, here's something I kind of struggle with. And there's this question, and this question, then she'd say, but this compensates for that, and this, and this, and don't you believe that? Yes. And then it turned into these great conversations of faith. The fourth time we got together over coffee, at the end, she said, okay, I'm in. And then said, You're in what? And then she says, I I believe you. I'm like, What do you believe? I'm confused, right? I'm pretty pretty black and whitish. You know, like, what do you believe? And she says, I believe you and your story, and I believe you. I'm like, but I just got done telling you everything I don't believe. And she says, for someone to believe, to doubt so intensely about the things they do believe, you must have amazing faith. And that obviously does not come from you. I want in. This girl then joined the church This girl is now serving in the church This started with me saying I don't know if I believe I have these doubts And these doubts are significant But if you believe in God And if you believe in the gospel You know that God does great things With brokenness And God does great things with a tomb And God does great things With everything that's broken Including your belief Right? God uses those things to to bring up inspiration. Right? So why not having someone come to know Christ through someone's doubts? Why not? That's amazing. What would it be like for us to invite people to touch our wounds? Because the cool thing about that story, I would... You know, it would be awesome to say, the cool thing is, is that is she came to know Christ and blah, blah, blah. For me, the cool thing is that it came through my doubts. Like, that's just unbelievable. I don't get that, right? And in fact, uh, that storytelling, it it doesn't even make any sense to me because that does not make any sense. It breaks all of the rules of, of being prepared to explain everything and to argue and debate everything. It was simply, here's all of the places that I'm broken and I don't know, Right? whenever my son Zion tells the story about the roller coaster and how awesome it was he doesn't tell the story about going uphill do you know what I mean he doesn't tell the story of going uphill and around the corners and doing the thing right he tells the story as if the only thing that happened was that first hill the going down and plummeting and him yelling and clenching his fists I can't handle this And whenever he tells the story, he tells it verbatim every time. The next time I go on it, I'm putting my hands in the air and opening my eyes. Right? What would it be like for us whenever we're exploring our doubts and being honest about our doubts, knowing that God is not afraid of our doubts, knowing that God uses our doubts, that doubts can be the beginning of a rock-solid faith, to not clench the bar anymore, to not close our eyes hoping it's going to be over, but to put our hands in the air saying, God has this, because this is what he does, and I'm a human, and I have doubts, and he uses doubts to save people's lives. Right? Right. So in the words of the Apostle Paul, kind of as he's talking to a group of people who have brick walls, Calls and trampolines and, and roller coasters it says this Dear Christ Community Church I can't tell you how much I long for you to, open this, to enter this wide open spacious life we do not fence you in the smallness that you feel comes from within you Your lives are not small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives and live them openly and expansively. I want to ask the campus pastors to come up so so all the campuses can pray together at this time. Please join me in prayer. Oh God, we love. We love. We love. We love the fact that you do not depend on our belief. God, we love the fact that your faith and your peace that it covers us. And that you pour out faith God, we thank you that you are a God who does things with broken beliefs and that you do great things with doubts. God, we we love the fact that you are a God who gets his hands dirty and you do beautiful things with things that seem hopeless or dark. God, we love the fact that you take a doubt and you can turn it into something rock solid. God, we love the fact that you give us what we need. Oh, God, God of our church, God of Greeley, God of the United States, God of this world, pour your spirit out upon us. And in this time, there are some of you here that have been in that space of kind of believing and you are asking for more faith. God, we ask that you pour your faith out, that you inspire our hearts. God, do what you do. there's some of us here who haven't even begun to kind of believe and and that you are here and you're you're asking where does this story begin or I want to be in I want to believe and if you're in this spot please play quiet play in your hearts as I do God, we, we believe in you and in the things that you have done and that you take a broken person and you make them whole. God, we are sinners and we have fallen from you and we believe that you do unbelievable things and that, that you, God, came to earth and you lived perfectly and that you died and that after death, you rose again. Pain, the sacrifice, pain, the price for my sin, for our sin, for the sin of everybody, because you love us. God, we believe in you. And we want to live by faith in the amazing things that you are doing. God, in the space, we ask you to breathe. We ask you to bring inspiration. I, I ask that you breathe creativity, breathe, breathe questions. And if there are th- doubts here that have not been asked, breathe the courage for people to enter into conversations that they have not had. God, we pray that you pour out courage upon your church, for them to ask difficult questions that they have never been able to ask. God, may this church be a place of safety. May this church be a place of inspiration and people who have great faith. May this church be a church of great faith. God, take our devouts, inspired relief and give us great faith. God, during this time, we ask that you help us to experience the great power of faith. And as you begin to work in our hearts, give us the courage to respond to the things that you are doing. In Christ, we pray.